0: Hello, everybody. My name is Ryan. I am the third of Leo's four children, even though he always introduced himself as one of his brother's dad jokes. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. Um, if you're wondering what this funny uniform is, uh, I'm in the Navy. I'm an active duty Navy chaplain. The Navy's the best service in the world. My dad loved it. But even as a, a Navy chaplain, I wasn't sure if I was up to the task today. But my dad would want me to do this, and he expected me to do it. So it is my honor to conduct my dad's memorial, of, uh, memorial service or celebration of life. And let's be, be very clear here today. Even though we mourn and grieve, this is no doubt a celebration, celebration of life and the celebration of the reunion that is to come, that we cling to. I could, I could spend the next five hours thanking everybody in here, but I'm just going to pick a couple people. And everybody else, please don't be offended by that if I, if I lift you out. Um, Heritage, thank you for letting us use the house. Um, Ann-Margaret, uh, Ryan. Kingston stepping in the last Gary Jared. You changed my dad's life with with the behind the scenes coaching and encouraging us to have those healing, much needed conversations. Brother, what you do is real ministry. And you changed the last year of his life. He lived free, totally free, because of you. And what you encourage us. Pastor Freddie, I mean, the foundation of my dad's uh, theology said, thank you. Um, to the men of Shoreline, he loved going Tuesday mornings at 6 o'clock. Where's all the men of Shoreline? Yeah, he loved it. I was living on the East Coast, and I was helping dad find a new church, and I'm glad he found you guys. To his favorite ministry of all, Mark Men for Christ. Where's all the Mark Men? Uh, and, and Eric? Um, all, all that soul work, all that soul work in the last few months, in the last year, totally critical. So he died as anybody should, with nothing pending because of the soul work that you, that you helped him through. So thank you, and everybody else, um, thank you. Um, let, me, let me begin by telling you a story of my very first funeral that I ever conducted, it was 2006, Freddie helped me get ready for that, and there were five chairs set up, but only two people showed up. It was the saddest thing ever. I'll never forget that. And as I look at the crowd here today, and the thousands of people that, that wish they could join us, and the many people who are gonna join us online, um, I, I can't help but have our hearts overwhelmed with joy to see how one man's life, who simply just lived to serve others, how he touched so many lives, he found true joy in serving others. And now let me tell you about my last interaction with my dad here on earth. It was Friday, June 25th. I was getting ready to go to another meeting with another pastor. And out of nowhere, everybody, I just seriously, out of nowhere, nobody told me anything. I, I, I heard this voice that, Go see your dad right now. In hindsight, I know that's the Holy Spirit. It was God giving me that little nudge, Go see your dad right now. And then I have a screenshot of my text message to Jeanette. I said, I'm going to see my dad. This is like 10 30. Without hesitation, she said, Go, go, please go. And I replied, I'm not sure where this is coming from. I'm not sure why I'm crying right now. It just came out of nowhere. It was a divine premonition. I didn't tell anybody I was going to the hospital. I just got in my car and I started driving. Anaheim Kaiser. I went in the bathroom to go splash my face with water in the the lobby. And then I came out and I saw my mom standing right there. She was walking, getting from the the cafeteria. And then uh, I put my arm around her. And, uh, and then she started weeping and sobbing. And then we went to ICU. And uh, when I walked into the room for the first time in my life, I saw my dad looking frail, like I've never seen him look weak before. Over years of years ago, we were trying to catch a chicken in my backyard in Hawaii. And my dad it was like it was like, 11 at night, and it was raining, and it was in Kaneohe, so it's wet and muddy, and he was like trying to poke this rooster that was in the, he said, let me show you a trick, son. He put this, wrapped this, you probably know this trick, he wrapped the stick, wrapped a shirt on a stick, and he put it, and the rooster jumped onto the stick, and then he brought it down, and then he grabbed the chicken, and then and the chicken pecked him in the, in the arm. He ended up getting Guillain-Barre Gillian syndrome, what's that, what's that called? Guillain-Barre syndrome. Yeah. And uh, that, dist- that compromised his immune system. He came home, and he was paralyzed, and my mom took him to the ER, and he recovered from that. And years before that, he, got in a- he spilled his motorcycle on the 5 freeway going to, going to-, going to the power plant where he worked. Um, he just evaded death so many times. Um, yeah, but it- and then, um, and then he, even- he even got COVID, and he got over that. Like he was discharged, and then he got pneumonia, and then he got sick from that, and then he had surgery from that, and then went into the hospital again later on. And then his—I noticed this past year or so his, his lungs and his breathing, and, and then he died. I mean, but he had overcome death so many times, evaded it so many times. But if you knew Dad, you knew his favorite verse. It's Hebrews. Who knows it? Yeah, It is appointed once for man to die and after that to face judgment. That's why he said, so when I buy a motorcycle, I buy it first and then I tell mom later. Because it's appointed for a man to die once. So he always did that. And he was, do, you, you could do the same thing, just buy something, ask Jeanette later. So I'm still going to implement that today. So I, I entered the hospital, I went up to ICU, and, and my dad, he was, he was just concerned for me. He was like, concerned that I was, I don't know. So we had this last conversation. He wanted to make sure nothing was pending between us. And he said a lot of things. Like my brother said, he's like, he's like apologizing for stuff that's been like, dealt with a long time ago. He apologized for a lot of things. A lot of things were, were, some heavy things were said in there. And after he said all that he needed to say, and after there was nothing left to address, he gave me his final task and with everything in him, because he was struggling to breathe from the, from the surgery, like they're trying to patch these, things, these holes in his lungs, he said, come here, why you write this down? And I'm, okay, this is it, this is the last one, and I, and I have the phone here, and I'm taking notes. He goes, if mom gets sick, make sure she comes to this hospital or mission. And I kind of looked at my mom, and I chuckled, and I said, that's it? But, but I realized, even on his deathbed, he's thinking about others. He's selfless. Like, okay, he's planning it out. He had everything planned out because he cared about others. He was thinking about his wife on his deathbed. That's what I'm going to remember. And before I left, I prayed for him. I was massaging his legs because he had been laying down. And I told him, I prayed for miraculous healing in Jesus' name. I claimed it. And every, I said, everything's going to be okay. I'm taking you to the Mark Men for Christ event on September 11th. I'll be speaking there, and I promised the guys that we would be there. And I said, my last words to him were, I love you, Dad. And then his word, last words to me were, I love you, too. And then I walked out that day. So I, I want to talk to my, my brother and sisters really quick, and, and then to, to my family here. Um, I realize not everybody got the same opportunities that I did. One, to say goodbye face-to-face. but You you got that. Two, to tell him everything I ever needed to say and to hear his response. And three, to find out that he died by walking in the room. You know, those are realities that break my heart. Breaks for you and with you. Um, But please, I want you to hear me out on this, okay? We'll see Dad again. That's, That's the hope that we have. So for now, I'm inviting you and pleading you, please, um, forgiveness for yourself. Forgive others if it's needed. Forgive God if it's needed. And when we use the word forgive, it just means to, to relinquish resentment or bitterness, to, to cancel that debt, to rip it up, and throw it, that's it. That's forgiveness. And as Pastor George taught us two weeks after Dad died, we just need to be okay with just having Jesus. Because he's sufficient. We know where regret and bitterness comes from. So we renounce it. We confess and renounce it every day. I invite us to walk free together. Today, tomorrow, and the next day, let's do it. And to simply wait for that resurrection. That's what Christians are called to do. and That's what we're called to do. And now let me give my perspective on the day that, that my dad died. It rocked my world when I walked into that hospital room on Sunday, we had just pulled up here to Heritage, and the same thing. Nobody said anything other than I heard the text. Uh, Dad said he's ready. So we walked in three seconds and then walked out. The last person I talked to was Uncle Mikey. I said, I, we, we gotta go. And uh, when I walked in the room, I didn't realize it was it was Tee the Bungie and my mom in there, and I, I, I didn't realize he was gone, so I said, how's he doing? my mom looked at me and she said, he's been promoted to glory. And I retorted, he's, he's, he's gone? And then I walked over to his bedside and I put my hand on his chest, which was still warm, and then I started to weep uncontrollably and trying to stop my shoulders from shaking. I was in complete shock and disbelief. And then Alan, with his big arms, came around me by my side and embraced me. I, to sum it up, I felt... Robbed is, is the word. I felt robbed. I felt like I got punched in the gut. And one by one, as my siblings were trickling in and families were coming in the room, uh, the, the sound of, of intense weeping and wailing filled that little room. And, and the next morning, I was, I was just walking on the beach, just having a good cry and praying. And the Lord gave me this verse. Isaiah 57, 1 says this, the righteous perish and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. I've read the Bible a couple times. I've never even seen that verse before. I don't know the context. I still don't know the context. I didn't care. It it brought me so much comfort. I was like, wow, that's the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. So I went into praise and thanksgiving. I, I said, thank you, Lord. I don't know what, what evil you're sparing him from. Maybe it's, uh, the world's getting kind of jacked up right now. Maybe, maybe, okay. And I clung to that every day after that. It became my screensaver. A few days passed and I realized how gracious God was in the midst of all the shock and pain and grief. The, the fact that I've, I've been stationed all over the world and for the last two years, I wasn't even supposed to come here. So in the in the Navy, I asked the detailer, he said, where do you want to go? I said, I don't I don't care. I believe God is sovereign. Doesn't matter where you want me, sir. So he goes, Fine, unaccompanied Diego Garcia by yourself. And I was like, ooh, that's he goes, ah just kidding, I got you at Pendleton. And I was like, are you serious? Got you at Pendleton, the greatest surf in the California coast. I was like, this is going back home. And that was God's grace. He let me be stationed at Pendleton, even though the job it wasn't, I wasn't It didn't match up with with my experience and time in, but I got to do it. I I got to catch up with my dad. We went shooting. I took him on base. We shot our guns together Went fishing. I I attended men of shoreline Bible study. The best of all, we went to the Mark Men for Christ retreat. That was the greatest healing. Chris and my dad both went to that retreat, and they experienced some healing. A little plug for this for every man in here. If you've never experienced something like that where you can be healed from wounds of the past. That's what the whole thing is. If you, want, you see these guys in the back with the, with the shirts, that little cross on their shirt is, stands for the healing five wounds, fear, anger, deceit, shame, sadness. It's wounds that we all have. They have a woman's version. It's called Women's Walk with Christ. But the fact that we got to do that, and on the final day, I got to wash my dad's feet as they read John chapter 13. Just amazing. We talked about I got him into Robin Hood, and then he ended up dumping a lot of money into that. But he says, hey, you know what? Mom said, I can't buy a Tesla, so I'm just going to put it into, these, into this Robin Hood thing. And sure enough, he did, and we were, we were winning, especially with the Dodge coin thing. <laughs> and he sold it right before it tanked again, too. Okay. Uh, we connected over our stupid parenting choices one of the last things he told me, he's right. said, like, son, don't don't ever repeat my stupidity. I want you to watch your mouth with your kids. Be gracious to them. And I'm going to honor that. And I repent of all my being a mean dad. And so Ryder and I just took a trip in honor of, of Grampy. And we did that. We connected. Um, it's all a gracious gift from God in his perfect timing. And then... And then the next Sunday, right, the next Sunday, we said, let's just go to Heritage. And we were right here. And then Gary played a song called uh, Great Are You, Lord. And in the chorus of that song, it says, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. And as we were, our whole family was here, T. Bungie was there as well, we were right here. And just falling on our faces and and worshiping God with, with reckless abandon. And later on, Jeanette told me that she uh, got this vision when she heard that lyric, it's your breath in our lungs. And um, the vision was this, that, that Jesus was on that hospital bed with dad, sort of behind him, embracing him, and saying, it's my breath in your lungs. You got one more breath. Ready? One more breath. Ready? This is your final breath. Are you ready? And then he took him home and I love that vision that she had because it is his breath in in his lungs, and he was sparing him from evil, so he took him. To everybody, I I realize why why, uh, death is so hard on the soul. You want to know why? Because it's unnatural, because God never intended for us to die, but the reality is we live in a post-Genesis 3 world, See, it was never supposed to be like this, death and dying, but sin was introduced into the world in the Garden of Eden, and the reality is this death thing is going to be here, and it stings. But that death problem, it, it has been fixed. It's being fixed, and it will be fixed. And, and that threefold paradox is the promise in Scripture that we stand on. And, and as my wife said, our family doesn't grieve as people without hope, we grieve with a specific hope in the resurrection of the dead based on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which, if you didn't know, is a heavily documented event, even by Jew, uh, secular historians and, and Jewish oral tradition, which is very reliable. There's a, a period of confusion after Jesus' death between the day he died and three days later on Sunday, and the rejoicing happens. And I'm here to say that Sunday will come. The resurrection will come. It's just the time before. It's kind of dark and confusing. And we have a lot of questions. But can I just take a moment to encourage you with some scripture? Is that all right? I'll read some scripture to you. Uh, the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians. This is an epic passage, so I just put the whole thing. He says, now we have this treasure in jars of clay so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And we always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Now watch this part at the end of the passage. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and is present with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase the glory of God. And therefore, we do not give up even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction here is producing for us an absolute, incomparable, eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In another passage in Ecclesiastes, the author says there's a time to be born, a time to die. Later on, he says there's a time to weep, there's a time to mourn, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, which is now in this don't embrace time in our history, a time to keep, a time to cast, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence. A time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. In Romans 12, 15, Paul tells the Roman believers, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So thank you. Thank you for showing up and weeping with us and then rejoicing with us. You are applying scripture. Let's be clear that this is a celebration, right? This is a celebration of life. And there's no doubt in my mind that dad is absent from the body and face to face with the Lord. And that's the basis for my joy. Now, I'd like to encourage everybody here that we can have joy regardless of any circumstance in our lives because joy is based off of a perspective, and happiness is based off of circumstances. I don't wish happiness for people. I wish joy. It's so much deeper, it's so much better. It doesn't mean we're happy about this circumstance, but it means we have a perspective that carries us through the hard times. And thank you, Pastor Freddy, for teaching us that. That truth sticks with us to this day. So, so what are we going to do the rest of, the, the, of our time here? Um, let me just give you some, some good news. We're, we're going to feed you after, because we realize it's lunch, and Dad would be so upset if we didn't feed everybody after this. So, so we got food for you. But first... Our, our task was to pay tribute to a legend. The second task was to provide comfort for all of us who grieve. And then the third task was to prepare our hearts for the future. The empty chair days, the birthdays, the epic Christmases we would fill mama's house, mama and papa's house, um, anniversaries, all those empty chair days. How do we prepare our hearts for those I'll never forget when I was a kid driving around, my dad had a 68 Mustang, which Titsito was the original owner of that, brought it over from Hawaii. I used to drive it in high school and set off all the, all the car alarms. <laughs> but I remember he, he looked at me one time and he said, he said, hey son, do you know what epitome means? I said, no dad. He goes, it means perfect example. And my dad's life was the epitome of faithful Servant. And it makes me smile from ear to ear to think of my dad hearing the words as soon as he came into the presence of of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It's Matthew 25. It just brings me so much joy to, to think about that. Imagine being ushered into the presence of Jesus and saying, well done. That was a fun ride, wasn't it? 66 years. Thanks, Jesus. That was a fun ride. Above all else, as crazy as it sounds, um, let me leave you with another simple truth. For the Christian, death is not a, a bad thing. Do <laughs> you know that? It's like it's not a bad thing. for To live as Christ, to die is gain. And I realize there's been a lot of fear lately, fear of sickness, fear of death, but I'm here to encourage us we don't fear death. We don't fear death. Christians should not fear death. The day my dad died, my cousin Don sent me a text. It's like one of the, it was like the first text I got. Beautiful words, Don. It said, this is not the end, only the beginning. I love that. And I have to preach that to myself every day, otherwise I'll go crazy. Christians should fear nothing, including death or dying. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. So we paid a lot of tribute to my dad, and and now as the saying goes, I I get to put my money where my mouth is. I'm gonna talk about grieving. And there are several of you that may hear something from other people as you're grieving. Um, One of those sayings, someone just told me the other day, like they said, hey, hey, don't worry, time heals wounds. Um, I don't know if that's true. I don't feel that, if anybody's lost anybody. You know, the grief lasts as long as your person that you loved is dead. It just lasts a lifetime, and I'm okay with that. How long will this grief last? Well, how long will we, will we not have debt here? That's how long it's going to last. But this grief journey is not going to be with us just a day. It's two days. It's going to be with us for a lifetime. But here's what I've also learned about death and grieving. It's, it's super confusing. I had so many questions. But I'm going to encourage our family and anybody else here that's grieving. I know there's several people here that have lost loved ones. Um, We need to give grace to those who who don't know what to say to us and who are not quick to speak and slow to listen. It's just everybody can grieve in different ways. You're allowed to say whatever you want. Let's give each other grace. Uh, You also might have heard of the five stages of grieving, uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. I don't know if those are sequential or if you actually get to arrive at acceptance. I think it's just this ongoing thing. You know, brother. You've been an encouragement to us. It's just, it's like a roller coaster. It's like the ocean. It's like it comes in waves. One day you're fine, and the next day I'll be driving down the freeway and I'm a, I'm a wreck. I'll hear a song and then I'm, I'm I'm a mess. It's a journey. But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do it together. So there's I wrote down here five five ways that we grieve. And uh, one way to grieve is, is you want to just drink and be merry. And Jerry said, do you drink? I was like, well, not, not really. He's like, well, let's drink to your dad. And I like, okay, I'll do, I'll do that right now. Drinking is a way to grieve. It's not necessarily, um, if, if it hurts you and it hurts others, it's not a good way. But it is a way. Some will want to drink and be merry and talk about the good old days. Another way to grieve is, is sobbing uncontrollably, weeping and wailing. And, and I'm here to say, if you didn't know, that's okay. Some of you know, but some of you don't know. But it's okay to weep uncontrollably. It's part of grieving. Um, others, the third way is, is just to talk, 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 talk. And you, sometimes you get, get those people to stop talking, but it's okay. It's, it's a way to grieve, and we're here to say that's Okay. A fourth way to grieve is, is cocooning. It's like, it's like an, an injured animal. They just want to be alone by themselves in the corner, and, and that's okay. If you didn't know, that's, that's a perfectly fine way to grieve. We welcome that. Another way to grieve is, is what people call business as usual. That's actually my dad's way to grieve. And sometimes you look at these people and you go, don't you care? We, we just lost somebody. You're, not even, you're just carrying on as business as usual. And then that same person's driving down the freeway, and then a little tear drops from their eye, and, and they don't know what's going on, but they're grieving. And so there'll be a lot of sad days at the beginning, uh, and a few glad days, and then we'll have fewer sad days and more glad days, and over a couple years, it might subside, and then every once in a while, you'll, you'll have those grieving days, and they will come. I'm just asking us and pleading us, let's, let's do this together. And lastly, this is an opportunity today, this memorial service, an opportunity to, to um, prepare hearts for the future. I mean, l- let me give you this profound thought. Uh, dad was so consistent. Some might say he's predictable. You know what I mean? Like, like, like a broken record. For the record, nobody does a better dad impersonation than Chris. Because they say impersonation is the greatest form of flattery. So my dad, right? The same junk dad jokes, followed by him hysterically laughing at his own jokes. <laughs> the same greeting for each grandchild. He would say, I just so. The same yelling at Precious. He has a little chihuahua dog. Precious, get in the house. The same asking my cousin Lance for medical advice, um, even though he's in medical school. So Lance, you got to finish strong. There you go. Finish strong. See the book that's watching. Um, the same getting mad at anybody being lazy and not helping out. Same challenging anybody teaching the Bible. He would just raise his hand in the middle of class. Um, I disagree, right? <laughs> Apologize to every pastor in the or every Bible study leader that, that uh, taught my dad. He's hilarious. He was completely transparent and, and predictable, He's totally consistent. And most of all, you knew his favorite Bible verses. He was like a broken record. He knew he had these power pack of verses that he would always... Say, um, his favorite verse, Hebrews 12, 9. For it is appointed for man once to die and after that to face judgment. I'm not sure if I misquoted that one. 9, 12 or 12, 9. Somewhere in the book of Hebrews. He would quote that to my mom before riding his motorcycle. Needless to say, after he spilled that day on the freeway, he stopped riding. Um, but he still believed it. It doesn't take too long to, to notice that death is a part of life and, and everybody dies. Everybody's headed towards the grave. But that wasn't scary for my dad. It just, it just wasn't. I'm mean, looking at him there on the, on the bed. He wasn't, he wasn't scared to die. He knew his eternal destiny. So, to my dad, I do not say goodbye but I say I will see you Sunday at the resurrection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Aloha forever, Dad. Aloha for all eternity. Well done, Dad. Good and faithful servant. Well done.